0: So good to be in the house of God today, amen? Man, you guys look fantastic today. Um, if you are new to New Life Church, this is a great time uh, to come in. We are actually starting a brand new series for the summer called Did You Know? And uh summer series for us is always a rotational series. So we always rotate our campus pastors throughout out the summer. And so we basically organize 11 weeks of summer. And. So there'll be many speakers here throughout this summer, and so we just ask you to stay engaged. We do that because it it keeps us uh, fresh and diverse, and you get to hear from what's happening in other parts of of the state as it relates to new life. And so um, we just want to encourage you to plug in and enjoy this series over the summer months. So I want to start today by going to John chapter 8, verse 32. This is a passage of Scripture that uh, we've learned our whole lives, and um, it simply says this, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so you can't be free until you know truth. And so that's why we want to spend this whole summer talking about some of those foundational aspects of Scripture uh, that we can, can build truth around, and that truth can combat anything, uh, any ideology or Bad theology, um, any circumstance that may rise up, you'll have some truth to stand on. And so this morning we're going to talk about a, a very uh, important subject, one that we all face, and it's a topic of pain. And I want to talk about what that looks like for the follower of, 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 of Jesus. What does it mean um, when you are going through and experiencing and facing pain? So to kind of build a foundation for this message, I want to go to John chapter 16, verse 33. This is a conversation that's being had between Jesus and his disciples. It's a very intimate moment. He's about to get very, very real with them. And so I want to read this one verse, and then we'll, we'll build around it. He says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I personally think that Jesus told his disciples this because he didn't want them thinking that the life they were about to sign up for was going to be one full of comfort. He wanted them to know with great clarity that they were going to follow him, but because of that following, it wasn't always going to be good times. And so this was a very authentic conversation, a big heart to heart. He wanted them to know, you're not always going to get up and feel great about the world. You're, you're going to have um, mood changes. One day you're going to be motivated, inspired, and ready to tackle it all, and the next you may not feel that particular way. He wanted them to know that just because you follow me, decisions are not always going to be easy. Just because you follow me doesn't mean that every relationship is is going to feel fantastic every single day. He wanted them to know and to get that just because you follow me doesn't mean that it's always going to feel like Sunday morning. That, you know, you're not always going to be... In the presence, all of the, the time, I'm going to be with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. But you're not going to feel churchy every day. And I want you guys to know that. So he's talking to them about it. He says, listen, you got to get this. You're going to have trouble. But then he ends it with this strong sentence, but take heart. Or one version says, or be encouraged because I have overcome the world. So he's, he's giving them two big, big truths. You're going to have trouble. But I have overcome it. So if you stay in me and I in you, then you're going to be able to to come through this. And so today I want to to look at at pain in our lives through this particular lens. Right? Jesus is trying to teach us that we cannot be insulated from pain, but we can overcome it. There's no way that we can build something, a fence uh, around ourselves So that we will not have to have pain, but we can overcome pain. I want to pause there for a minute and tell you. I I get kidney stones, okay? And as a matter of fact, I just passed one yesterday. That's right. And I was pretty proud of of this particular stone from yesterday because it took me 75 glasses of milk to build it and 13 days to get rid of it. So I'm pretty proud of it. It's, 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 It's a trophy stone for me. And so... Um, I, I think that I have a high tolerance for pain until you have a kidney stone. And if you've ever had one, they will own you, okay? And so you will get down on the floor and writhe in pain and repent of sin that you never committed. Because you want to make a pact with God. You are talking to him about all kinds of stuff. Lord, if you'll just rid me of this, I will do whatever. I will be whatever. I will change whatever you want if you'll just help this thing. Help me get, get rid of this. If you have a really bad kidney stone, you go to the ER. You wait there a couple days. And when you finally get pain medicine, you're like, come to Papa. I mean, it just feels so good. And uh, the pain medicine just kind of, kind of masks it. Uh, One of my favorite quotes or or sayings about Ronald Reagan was when he had uh, the assassination attempt on his life. You know, they took him in through the emergency unit, and apparently there was a a, a pretty nurse that was taking care of him. And they gave him some medicine to relieve the pain from the gun wound. And the minute he got it, it says in in the book that uh, he reached over and grabbed this nurse by the hand and said, Does Nancy know about us? Okay, so you'll say anything, you know, when the pain is masked, it creates a whole new world for you. There are all kinds of pain, and you and I are both aware of this. There's emotional pain we experience because we've, we've had a loss, we've had a discouragement, uh, we've had a lot of disappointment. And that comes that houses in our, our our emotions. We 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 cry. We get angry, um, and 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 so on. Then we have relational pain that comes from strained friendships, relationships, family issues, children issues, uh, broken trust issues. We have parenting pain. You may have a child that you don't know how to lead at this particular moment, or a child that's away from God, and and, and so you struggle as a parent about what what you did right and what, what you're not doing right, and you kind of weigh those things out, and it creates this tension in your own mind. Then we have spiritual pain. There's unfulfilled desires in God. We think, you know, Lord, I think, I thought I would have been farther along than, than this. I have an unanswered prayer. God, I've prayed for this so frequently and so often, but I don't know why you won't answer it. And so we feel this struggle in our faith as we relate to God, and it creates a spiritual pain in us. So we live our lives waning in and out of moments of of all types and kinds of of pain. So I want to use John 15 this morning as just a quick teaching moment. And before I read it, I want to be extremely clear that I would never advocate that God is always the source of pain. Because the source of pain is most times that we're on this side of heaven in a world full of pain and hurt and kidney stones, and it's a mystery that only God can understand that we live here where there's pain, and we're far away from an eternity that is bliss, and it's part of our existence. So let's go to John 15, 1 through 5. I'm going to read from the NIV this morning. It says, I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine; you are the branch. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, a conversation between He and His His disciples. And one part I want to point out: in this John John 15 could be a series all by itself. But the one thing I want to just lean into this morning is this: God cuts off the branches that bear no fruit, but God prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so that they can be even more fruitful. It's often our assumption that when we are pruned, it's because we are wrong, because we've done something wrong, that we're under God's punishing hand. And it doesn't help that there's been poor theology in this for a very long time, and now a lot of us have the image of God as Zeus with a handful of lightning bolts or a hammer like Thor, and he's waiting to come down on us just the moment that we think the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And so any of our pain, we think, maybe this is God trying to punish me, okay? And so we start to say things out loud to God or in our private time with Him. We say, but God, I'm walking with you. I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I'm serving. I'm, I'm listening to all the right things I think I should be listening to. I'm trying to feed my spirit with the Word, with, with podcasts, with teachings, what, whatever i got to do. I'm trying to grow, but all I feel is the pain in my life. And so we got to get this. Pain is not always punishment. Pain can be the pruning process, the attempt to make you even more fruitful, not cutting off your branches, but to prune you with great care and gentleness like the hands of a surgeon going into the intricate parts of our life to take us from good to great, the pruning process. My wife, she loves plants, but there's a huge problem. She kills all of them. People will sometimes gift her a plant, or it'll be a holiday, or Mother's Day, or something, and somebody will gift her a plant, and she just doesn't, she loves them. She oozes and ahs over them, but she will kill them quickly, uh, because she doesn't understand. Some of them, they have to have water, and they have to have food, they have to have Periods of sun. They have to be cared for. And so I saw her, and this is such a, a thing in her life. I saw her walk by a ficus plant one time. It just withered. It's like it just laid over. And so I just want to tell you like, if, if you ever want to bless her, don't get her a plant, get her a gift card. Okay? Because she will kill the plant and enjoy the gift card. So I want to give you just a few quick things about pruning. This is not where I want to spend a lot of my time, but I I want to give you in just three or four minutes uh, some five quick things about about the pruning process. The first one is this. Pruning does not kill the plant. Pruning does not kill the plant. Sometimes if you see somebody pruning something, you're like, man, what are they trying to do, kill that? And we feel that in our lives sometimes during the pruning process. We even say things to God like, I mean, are you trying to kill me? I, I can't. I can't do this. I can't make it through this. This is too tough for me. It's too hard for me. Lord, you've, you've harmed me. I feel your hand against me. And, and, and so you kind of get resistant toward God. But God is not trying to kill us. He is just putting us into the pruning process. Okay. The second big thing is pruning is necessary for growth. We prune plants and trees because we want them to grow. We want them to bear better fruit. And so we clean them. We keep them nice and tight and pruned. Three, the pruning eliminates unwanted growth. Sometimes a plant or a tree can have a branch that has a mind of its own. I don't know if you've ever been in in that place, but I've had that one thing in my life that has a mind of its own. And I've had to, in my spiritual walk, keep my eyes on it. Because if, if I don't, it's that one thing in me that I, I will lose control of. And so I've got to constantly keep my eyes on it, keep it open to be pruned. And maybe it's, if for some of, of you this morning, it, it's, it's an attitude. And if you're not careful, it gets out of control. It's, it's a thought process for you. And if you're not careful, it gets out of control. It's an addiction for you. If you're not careful, it gets out of control. And the pruning process eliminates that unwanted growth. It's that constant position before God that says, whatever is in me that is not part of you, get it out. Okay, And so pruning brings us back to reality. It cuts all the junk out of our, our lives. All right, Four, pruning happens at the proper time. Most of the time, in a physical sense, we... we prune during the dormant season, but God knows when we need it and how we need it and what, what to do. He, he's got it all under control. A pruning season can happen anytime for us. And fifth, pruning improves our strength and our help. For some of you this morning, you're already identifying with this and you're saying, man, I'm in that right now and I feel really weak. But hear me, once the pruning season is over, strength is going to come to your life because of it. You're going to be thankful for that particular season, for that particular moment. Watch 1 Peter 5 and 10. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you and place you on a firm foundation. This is a promise that after there has been suffering, there will be restoration. There will be support and strength and and a feeling of being on a firm foundation. It's easy to be in a relationship with God and sometimes put your foot down and not, not really have a solid ground. It's new territory for you. It's, it's a new season in your life where God's trying to grow you and stretch you and call you back into this particular thing or that particular thing. Maybe it's your marriage being restored and it feels different to you because chaos is going away and peace is coming back. And for some, you've been addicted to chaos for so long, peace feels very foreign to you. So sometimes the things of God and the blessings of God don't feel like a firm foundation. But he's saying, listen, after you've gone through the process, you're going to feel that in your life. Craig Groeschel makes this great quote. It's one of my favorites. This is what he says. He says the distance between where I am and where God wants me to be might be my willingness to tolerate pain. The distance between where I am and where God wants me to be might be my willingness to tolerate pain. For me to really get from where I am right now to where God wants me to go, the space in between is only taken on By my willingness to tolerate pain, to face discouragement, to look at hard times and keep on trucking, to say that I know my faith is a gift and this is the time. See, it's fun when we talk about faith and it feels like a buzzword, but it's not fun when we talk about faith and we've got to practice it. That doesn't feel as fun. We all can feel inspired and talk about faith and sinking our teeth into something that we can't physically put our hands on. But when you start walking that stuff out in real life, it's different. Okay. So we all face pain and pruning. The reality is a lot of us are in it right now. So I want to try to reshape our perspective this morning so that we're not always viewing pain as the problem. So let me give you this quickly. First thing I want to talk about is we, see, we think that we have a problem with pain because pain has a presence. Pain has a, a presence. See, the, the problem with pain is that it's, it's coming, it's a hard reality. Whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not, whether we learn from it or not, it will come. And as hard as it is, it's important to let that really sink in because no amount of money can stop the pain. And so for a lot of us, we have have come to this place where we say, if I can just insulate my life, if I can keep you at bay, and I can keep enough stuff in my life that comforts me, so I I can buy that, and I can buy that, and I can do that, and I can have my identity in this, And I'll I'll just keep this stuff close, and the things that make make me full of fear, I'll push out there, and I'm going to insulate my life. And we think that we have control over that, but we do not. So you may be here this morning, and you're on a mountaintop, but there are people in the valley. And in a few months, the people that were on the mountaintop may be in the valley, and people that were in the valley may be on the mountaintop. In fact, you can go from mountaintop to valley, or valley to mountaintop with one phone call, one text, one conversation, one one moment. We've all been there, where we feel like we're on this mountaintop experience, everything's great, and then we get some news, and it's not so great. Quickly, we fall into a state of disappointment. Quickly, our... Our minds come unraveled, and the faith comes unraveled, and we don't know what to, what to cling to. All over one phone call, one bit of information, one loss, one sentence, one diagnosis, one, one thing, brings it all, to, all all apart. Here's the thing, too, this big, big truth, is some of us don't handle pain very well at all really struggle when we hit those seasons, and uh, there was a moment in my daughter's life, I don't know she was six or seven years old, and uh, everything required a Band-Aid, I know you probably went through that with your kids too, everything required a Band-Aid, little bitty cuts, I mean you couldn't even hardly see them, She'd, she'd come to you and you could hardly even, I mean where is it, and she'd be like right there, you're looking right at it. And, and so we spent a few months going through this phase of you'd see her and, and she'd have band-aids everywhere, across her face, all on her hands, legs, feet, and she just had to have a band-aid everywhere. And if we're not careful, we can fall into that in our walk where we just we, we, get, we just want we, we want band-aids for all of it. We just can't take the pain in anything, any change, any, any, any hiccup in life becomes this big thing where the wheels fall off because we don't tolerate pain very well. The author of Hebrews is concerned regarding the people's reaction to the discipline of God, specifically with pain. And I'm going to show you this. Hebrews chapter 12, watch this. Verse 5, he says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Now stay with me because this this is going to come across hard, but let's let's interpret it. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone that he accepts as a son. The word chasten there means to convict or correct, to bring into the light. And so he's saying, listen, when he he loves you, when he accepts you as a son, he brings those things in your life to the light because he loves you. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, then everyone undergoes discipline. Then you are not legitimate. You are not true sons and daughters at all. The word discipline there in in verse 7 is is a word called padeo. And padeo means this. It means I'm going to teach you this so that you're better at life. So what what, what we need to get is that God disciplines and rebukes and chastens and prunes because He actually loves us. And it's not because He's waiting to punish, but it's something that we should be honored by. I am going through something and God is allowing it because He loves me. My mom, I, I reached this age in church. I grew up in church my whole life. And I reached this age where I didn't want to sit with my parents anymore. I don't know, 12, 13 years old. So I want to sit over here with my friends and the youth and whatever, and we could cut up sometimes if we wanted to. But my mom had this recognizable snap. It was like a bullwhip. And I think it, it, has, it was a frequency that was so high only I could hear it. Because it didn't disturb anybody else. And if she saw me cutting up at all, she would snap and I would hear it. And I'd be like, oh no, that's her right there. She got her eye on me. And I knew, I knew there was only one snap. The second time she came up behind you and grabbed you by the ear and led you out. And it was really, really embarrassing. And I get that she did that to say, hey... I'm trying to get you, hey, to grow up. If you don't want to be on my hip, and you want some freedom, then you're still going to be responsible with this freedom. And so sometimes in our lives, I think we hear the snap. We hear God saying, hey, don't, please do not do that. Don't get involved in that. Don't think this particular way. Please don't have that kind of of relationship. Please cut that part out of of your life. Here's why that's so rich to me. Because my earthly father and my earthly mother who would guide me and direct me could not see my tomorrow like the heavenly father can. And so what makes it even better when I know I'm being pruned is I know God sees one year from now and five years from now, and ten years from now. And he knows that the decisions I'm making right now over a 1% margin in ten years from now can turn into something big, something that I'll have to turn around. It'll be a Goliath in my life if I don't adhere to the pruning process now. Okay? Okay? When we are in physical pain, we often take pain relievers. We take ibuprofen. Some of you take Krispy Kreme. We take all kinds of stuff to try to alleviate whatever the pain is. We do it with with the other pains that I have mentioned: the emotional pain, relational pain, and spiritual pain. And we we do the same thing. We we call them coping mechanisms, but we turn them into. A, a, a slew of addictions in our lives. We think of addictions, we tend to think of drugs and alcohol, but that's, that's just a few. For some, it's food. For some, it's pornography. For some, it's, it's all kinds of, you know, I can over-involve myself in sports or hobbies or my children's lives. I can do, uh, you know, ladies, I've heard you use the phrase retail therapy. And I know if I can just go spin a little bit, if I can shop a little bit, if I can make myself feel special for just a moment, I don't have to think about the pain. But here's this, and even in our humanity, we are wise enough and smart enough to understand this, that we know that once those moments of coping are over, the pain is still there. We know no matter how much we drink, when you sober up, you still have the same problem no matter how much you shop, guys, no matter how much you work, when you get home, it's the same marriage. And you may have bumped your time from 40 hours to 60 hours because that puts you away from her for another 20 hours a week. But when you get there, it's the same marriage. You've just tried to bury yourself in work or a hobby or a sport or your children but if the pain is bad enough, we actually prefer to be distracted over having to deal with it. Okay, Pain has a presence, too. Pain has a process. And it's a long process sometimes. Some of you are in the middle of it, and it's not very fun. Watch this. First Peter chapter 1.6 says this. So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire will test and purify gold, though uh, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. then let's compare that to the Old Testament, Psalm 66.10 in the NIV. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. What these two verses tell us is there's a win at the end of this. At the end of the pruning, at the end of the trial, at the end of the test, at the end of this process, there is something to applaud. There's something in the end that we're going to win and be proud of and say, I'm so glad that I went through that. I know I can speak for all of us, but there are times in my life, y'all, times where I look and there were times that hurt, but today I still say I wouldn't change it because it it morphed me and navigated me into a different way of thinking or a different way of forgiving or a different way of loving or a different way of seeing the world or seeing God in the world. And it was all because of that terrible hurt that has now shaped and navigated the, the way my mind works. I wouldn't trade it. Because the one thing helped me do 50 other things better than the way I was doing them. Okay, James 1 and 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face a trial. Because the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you will mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'm telling you, the Word is full of telling us that pain needs to be embraced. It's a process that we need to be in love with and, and enjoy and know that at the end of it is going to be some maturation and strength in my life. That this is not God mad at me, coming down on me. It's not, it's not God waiting with a hand hammer for me to mess up. But when I'm in the pruning process, it's because he sees me as a son and he loves me. Okay? Let me move on. Pain, third, and I'm going to end with that one, has a purpose. It has a purpose. Pain will teach you what comfort cannot teach you. Pain will teach you things that comfort just can't teach you. I want you to think about people in your life for just a minute. And I want you to to reflect on, on these things. I think sometimes the biggest lovers of people are ones who have been hated the most. And because they've been hated, they know how to love really well. The most compassionate people in our lives tend to be people who have experienced great loss. They're quick to be compassionate. Because they really get lost. It resonates in them. Sometimes the biggest givers and people who resource anything, I'm not just talking about the church, but people who just are givers do it because at one point in their life they didn't have anything. And they just appreciate the value now of having something. God's grace is so big and His purposes are so wonderful that He can take our pain and use it for something good. Let me end with this. Hebrews 5.8 Even though Jesus was God's Son, He learned obedience from the things He suffered. So where, where do we turn when we find ourselves in types of, 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 of these pain? We've got to turn to Christ, the only hope, the greatest hope. He knew emotional pain, the anxiety of facing the cross. He knew relational pain. He had friends that walked away, denied him, lied about him. Um, Even in his last few moments, he just said, Father, forgive these people. They don't even know what they're doing. Just emotional pain. He knew physical pain, obviously. So we have to turn to Christ. And if Jesus is all we have, good. He's all that that we need. So it leaves me with this, with this big, heavy question to just kind of throw out this morning for you to ponder. And that is, what, what is your pain right now? What, what's the purpose of it? Can you see it in a different light? For some, it, it may be this unanswered prayer. You see your timing is the best timing and God's timing is not not the best timing. You want Him to hurry up. You want Him to see things the way you see it. You want the prayer answered. For some, it's an issue that you cannot get resolved. You look at your life and you got that one thing that's out of control. It's an issue. It's always the, the demise for the good things in your life. It's a point of frustration to you. It's, it's an emotional pain, and you can't, you can't seem to move past it. For some, in, in your mind, you've got somebody by the neck. And you've let a seed of hate come up in you, and the Lord just wants you to open your hands. Some right now, and I'm, I'm being really real this morning. But for some of you right now, if we're being real and we're, we're being honest, there may be a few in this room, and I'm 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 not a prophet. I've never claimed to be, but you may be here contemplating walking out on your marriage because it hurts. It it doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't bring joy to your life. And for you, that's a big pain. What is God bringing to the surface and using pain to do it, to cause you to deal with it? We need to voluntarily go to the anvil and ask God to shape and prune and embrace this moment in our lives of growth. Because in a year from now, it won't matter. You'll be a different person. You'll have experienced the process. So I want you to bow your heads with me quickly this morning. I just want to talk to your heart.